Um, so we're going to continue tonight. Uh, last week, uh, we kind of blew up, and I didn't really get to preach the finality of my message. And I want to continue to, to kind of go down this road, because as, as I began to think, and, and I want to encourage all of you to do that, is like there is one element of it where, you know, hearing everybody talk about the year of great harvest and hearing my dad pitch the vision for the year. And that's amazing because like I kind of alluded to on Sunday, that there's a grace that we enter into as the children that there is a way that has been paved because my parents have, you know, have been pressing so hard for 30 years. They've made a way for us. But let me tell you something. There is something specific that God wants to speak to you. Yeah. Can I get an amen? amen? Can I get a little better amen? amen? God has something amazing, not just for them. God has something amazing for you. And my dad has been doing such an amazing job teaching us really the understanding throughout last year and even at the beginning of this year, an understanding of what it looks like to manifest life by faith. Let me tell you something. You were never meant to live a natural day ever in your lifetime. Every single moment of your life has been designed to be supernatural. The scripture says it like this, that we're to live in sweatless victory, that every battle that you might find yourself he, that happens in your lifetime, Jesus has already paid everything. He's won every battle. He's done everything. He's ensured every victory for you. And our position as believers is simply that we would believe. That when we believe in what Jesus did, it activates Jesus in our life. That as we align ourselves to the truth, right, we know that's what faith is all about. Faith is not, you know, what church I go to. Like my dad says, faith is aligning myself to what the word says. And as I do that, now I step into this place of sweatless victory, not because of something amazing that I did. Trust me, there's nothing you could ever do in order to earn the goodness of God. God is good on his own because he is good. So don't worry about it if you miss it every once in a while because God has already taken care of it 2,000 years ago. We just live in the goodness of God because he loves us and he's good. And so as we step into that, we live this supernatural life. Let me tell you, God has, I mean, Jeremiah talks to us about it. God has amazing plans for each and every one of your life. Do you know that there's enough anointing in your clipping of your pinky nail to change every situation in your life? There's enough power in you, in one word, to overcome any obstacle, to move any mountain, the scripture says it like this, that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living, it's active, it's residing on the inside of you. There is nothing in life that is more powerful than you are. Why do you think the enemy tries so hard to make your days not so good? Because he knows, unfortunately, sometimes better than we do, who we are and what we're capable of doing. Right, that we are the representation of Almighty God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit here on the earth. Right? We are the hands and feet. We are the, the, the action on the earth that is, falls unto us. Right? And let me tell you something. It's not a pressure scenario. It's not like you got to try and muster it up. It's not like you got to try and figure it out. Right? All we learn to do is 
we believe. We believe. So we've been talking about, last week we talked about it a little bit, and the Lord has been speaking to me a lot about this place of understanding our authority. Because in the end of the day, right, what makes a king powerful is not that he has a scepter in his hand, right? It's not that he wears a great crown or has a cool cape or, you know, whatever they wear, or that he sits on the golden throne. What makes a king a king is that when he opens his mouth, there is authority in the words that he speaks, Okay, when we saw Jesus in his ministry here on the earth, the way that Jesus represented his authority was through his words. When he spoke, things began to happen, right? When we look at the story of Jesus with the fig tree, we, we know the story is that Jesus goes up to the fig tree and, and he wants to go and eat a fig off of the tree and he gets to the tree and he finds that what? There's no figs on the tree and Jesus, you know, for whatever reason, feels the need to curse that tree. And what happens? He releases his words and says, no one shall ever eat of you again. We go back to the tree the next morning and it says that tree died from the roots up. There is power in your words. There is not a single thing that you say that doesn't begin to change things in your life. If you want to change your scenario, change the things that are coming out of your mouth right? Watch the words that you're saying. What are you talking about? When a bill comes in the mail, what are the words that you're saying? When a bad situation happens to you, what are you saying? Because those words are going and creating the outcome of that situation. As we learn to harness our mouths, as we learn to harness the words that are coming out of our mouth, we will begin to discover that God, and it's really easy to get God to move in our life. That if we use our words to agree with him, God begins to move. And so, uh, you know, we talked about this last week, and I'm going to do a quick recap because I feel like it's very important. We talked about uh, from Genesis chapter, uh, uh, Genesis chapter 3, the scripture where, where uh, the serpent, which is the enemy, that he came to Eve right? And, you know, you're, I'm sure that you're all here or you watched it online because you're just such awesome people. Um, and so, you know, this is, just, this is just a recap. And um, we know that the serpent came to Eve and said, you know, oh, you can't eat from any of the trees. And Eve's like, no, we can eat from any of the trees, but we just can't eat from one of the trees. And the enemy's like, oh, you could eat from that tree. And she, Eve's like, no, I can't eat from that tree because if I eat from that tree, I'm going to surely die. And th then the serpent says to her, you won't die, Right? Like, Eve was pretty darn gullible, right? The enemy didn't have to build a case. He was just like, you won't die. And she's like, oh, really? I won't die. And so she ate the fruit, and we all know the end of the story is that Adam and Eve lost their authority, right? And, and then we look at Jesus, right? Jesus gets water baptized, he, and then the, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness where the same thing that happened to Adam and Eve was now going to happen to Jesus, Okay? There's a lot of the times where we go through situations that are trying to show us what's on the inside of us, right? How many of you know that the scripture tells us that, that situations, that, that going through difficult times are actually good things that happen to us because they show us what we're made of. You never know how strong you are until you get under a barbell and you start to lift some weight. Right? We have to start seeing negative things that happen to us as opportunities for growth rather than opportunities for our demise. And so we see this happen to Jesus. Jesus goes into the wilderness, and what happens? Right? He has Satan three times. Right? He took Eve one time, right? and she, you know, no fresh Eve, whatever. You're doing your thing in heaven. So happy for you. 
The serpent came, the serpent came to, or not the serpent, the devil himself came to Jesus and tempted Jesus three times. And we see that, right, from these two scenarios, that the sole intent of what the enemy was trying to do was he was trying to, what, get them to, um, what's the best way of saying that? that? That he was trying to get them to think less of God and his nature. That he was trying to diminish God in their life, right? And when, we, when it comes to ourselves and understanding our authority, right, this is the main attack that the enemy is constantly going to try to use in our lives. He's going to try to discredit. That was what I was looking for. He's, trying to, he's going to try to discredit God, the anointing of God, the power of God in your life in every situation. Right? Why? Because if he can get us out of a place of believing in the, the, the truth of God and in his word, well, essentially what he does to us is we end up like Eve where we step out of our place of authority because we're no longer aligned with the source of our power. Can I get an amen? Yeah. You with me? Here's an analogy. Okay, I heard this great analogy. Is that how many of you guys live in Canada? And so I'm sure that all of you, you're with Canadian Niagara Power, right? That's who you use. American people, I don't know what you're power company is. I'm, I'm not sure. But for, for all intents and purposes, let's say we're all Canadians today. Congratulations. You all become Canadians. Woo. Um, and so Canadian Niagara Power, right? We know that Canadian Niagara Power supplies the power, like they supply the power to my house. Okay. Now, how foolish would it be for me to walk into my house and into my back door and when my lights aren't on, I get all angry and I call Canadian Niagara Power and I tell them, you need to turn the lights on in my, on my back porch, right? What would Canadian Niagara Power say to me? Uh, there's power going to your house. You need to now choose to flip on the switch. You see, God has supplied us like Canadian Niagara Power with all the power necessary. There is power that's going to our house, right? We choose whether or not we're going to, what, align ourselves with that power. You know that if, if I wire my house totally perfect and I just miss one, like, like the main power that's coming in, if I just choose, you know, this is one wire, I'm just not going to connect it. How many of you know that if I don't align my, set, my house perfectly correct with Canadian Niagara power, that there's going to be no power flowing? The potential for my house to have power is there, right? If I took, a, you know, put my hand on that power, I could test and realize there's a lot of power that's coming into my house. But if I don't align my house with onto the grid, right. right? If I don't connect my house to the power source, how many of you know there's nothing wrong with Canadian Niagara Power? Okay? If, you know, I cut the main power to my house, right, it would be foolish for me to think that it's, this is Canadian Niagara Power's problem. Right? It's the same thing in the spiritual realm. The Father and Jesus have done everything that needs to be done in order to get the power manifested into your life. Now our position... I'm yelling. Our position... Our position is simply that we must align ourselves to the grid. How do I know? There's an amazing test, okay, in my house. Do you know how I know if I have 
you know, connected the wires right, done everything right, and I put the, the cover plate, you know, onto my nice little switch there. Do you know that there's a really easy test to tell if I wired that thing right? Do you know what it is? Stick your finger. No, that's probably a horrible idea. I do not recommend that you stick your finger in the socket. There's an easy way to do it. What do I do? I flip the switch. How do you know when you're aligned with the word, with Jesus, when the power turns on? You see, so often we think that, right? I'm making my confessions and I'm saying these things. And, you know, my dad had that, uh, the, the saying that he wrote on the board that the Lord has been speaking to him about, the, this, this idea of being born yesterday, right? Where the Lord is encouraging us to go again at all the things that we've been doing. Right? And, and so what can happen is we can get so frustrated at the fact that, you know, I've been saying all the things and I've been reading and I've been meditating and nothing is happening. And, and, and you know, and then people come and they're like, oh, I guess this whole thing doesn't work and I don't want to hear it anymore and I don't know what I believe in anymore. And my simple response to them is, is that the word works. Like the fact that the world is spinning, right? Like think about it. the fact that the world is spinning. Who made the world, right? Do we know who made the world, right? God made the world, and the very fact that the world is spinning right now means that if something in the word is true, right, we know that the word is true, right, that we have so many physical representations. I tell you something, do yourself a favor this year in the year of great harvest is do what is necessary in order to get yourself aligned to the grid and stop thinking that something is wrong with Canadian Niagara Power. Right? Stop thinking that something is wrong with the source. Instead, realize that when my heart is aligned right, right, I know because when I flip the switch on, the light bulb turns on. When I flip the switch on, my bills get paid. When I flip the switch on, my body gets healed. When I'm aligned to the grid, power in my life begins to flow. That's how I know. You see, there is no substitute for this process in our life. Because I'll tell you something, settling for anything less than this is settling for God for, for the second best. If you you can try, trust me, I've tried. You can try and try and try and try to make your life as good as what your heart knows it's supposed to be, but you were never meant to get to your destiny on your own. You were never meant to live this life without Jesus. And so trying to get somewhere without subjecting yourself to this process, you're only going to get to the next level and feel dissatisfied. To get to the next level and feel dissatisfied because you were meant for one purpose, and that's to fulfill the destiny that God has given to you. And so when we read in Genesis 1.28, right, we see with Eve, and in Luke chapter 4, right, we see it with Jesus. And then we see in John chapter 15, right, this process of us receiving the authority. And so if Eve was tempted so that she would lose her authority, and Jesus was tempted so that the enemy could steal his authority, what do we think that the enemy is going to try to do to us? Tempt us to discredit the goodness of God in our life. The enemy is either going to do one of two things. Let me tell you. You ready for this? You ready for your beat the devil every time test? Come on. Anytime you are driven to think less of God, it's the devil. It's too hard for God. It's too big for God. God doesn't care. God isn't good. Or 
The second thing, anytime a thought enters your mind to make you think less of yourself. I can't do this. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I have all these problems. I can't fix all these things. Every time I go before the Lord, he just talks to me about problems. Anytime the enemy starts to, 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 to try to get us to question the goodness of God and the goodness of yourself, immediately, can you say that? Immediately, not like 45 minutes later after, you know, you've been really meditating really hard on how horrible God is, right? Immediately when the thought comes into your head, you must choose to reject it because let's be simple about this. The enemy doesn't necessarily care whether you have a good day or a bad day. The enemy is out for one thing and one thing only. He wants to steal your authority. If you don't understand your authority, you are no longer a threat to the enemy. He doesn't have to worry about you doing anything great. We are who we are because of what Jesus did. And as we align ourselves to that, that's what changes us. And so he wants to steal my authority. And, and the way that he does that primarily, this is the road that we're going tonight. The way that he does this primarily is in the realm of our thoughts. There's scriptures literally throughout the Bible all over the place, and I'm not going to go through them tonight. Maybe I'll go through them in the future. But if you want to do a study, you totally can do it, and I would absolutely encourage you to do a study on it. But you read scripture after scripture after scripture about this concept of learning how it feels to control your mind. Control your thoughts. You know, Joyce Meyer wrote a book. I loved it. And it was called The Battlefield of the Mind. And one of the things that jumped out for me just from the, the cover was that she didn't call it the playground of the mind, right? She didn't call it like the bounce house of the mind, right? She called it the battlefield of the mind. Why? Because controlling our thoughts can be a battle. You know, science says that human beings think between 50 and 70,000 thoughts a day. 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. Those thoughts that we think, right? The scripture says it like this. As a man thinketh, so is he. What you allow yourself to think about is going to eventually come out of your mouth. And when it comes out of your mouth, it's going to start creating your world. You see, one of the main things the enemy loves to do is make us feel like it's, it's okay to think these bad thoughts. You're just being smart, you know, worrying about your bills. It's, it's really a smart thing to do, you know. Oh, you have that lump there. You should definitely worry about it, you know. But I love the scripture that says, you know, what does worrying do? right? Can you like add even an inch to your stature? Like, oh, I'm going to worry for like the rest of my life. It's going to do absolutely nothing. You know, worrying never solved a single problem ever in my life. But I tell you something, the word, the word has fixed a lot of situations in my life. 
meditating on the truth, it's fixed a lot of things in my life. Um, let me take a step further. You know, you ever notice that? That even thinking good thoughts, right? Let's like make it simple. Thinking good thoughts has the ability to make your life better. You see, the enemy wants to do one thing. He wants to get us focused on the negative. And so in my last nine minutes, we're going to talk about three ways that we fight for our authority. Because I tell you something, it's not haphazard doing these things. It's not something that you just fall into. It's not something that we just get because we got saved. There is a process. There is a fight to getting to this place. The first thing that, that I want to talk about in fighting for your authority is we got to learn to take two steps forward. Right? You ever hear, hear the statement that's like, you know, I just take one step forward and then what? Two steps backwards. Right? As believers, right, we have to learn what it feels like to take two steps forward, right? When you start thinking about something negative, okay, these are practical tips. And if you'll do them, this is going to radically change your life, right? When you start, the enemy wants to get you or your mind wants to start worrying about something that's happening in your life, right? And you catch yourself thinking that thought, I challenge you to do this. For every one negative thought that you think, start to be thankful for two things, right? If you start thinking about two negative things, you know, you're worried simultaneously about two different things. You're like a multitasker worrier, right? If you could do that, right? Then what you want to start doing is what? Now you're going to pick four things. Why? Because whatever you give your attention to is going to be the thing that you rut yourself into. Okay? The way that we change our mind is we spend more time thinking about the good things and about the truthful things than we spend thinking about all the things that we're worrying about. Simple. So for every one negative thought that I think, right, I'm going to force myself to think about two things that are positive. The first thought, what it's going to do is it's going to counteract the negative. Okay, we must, right? The one thing that when we look in, the, in the, the story of Adam and Eve, the one thing that Eve did not do was she didn't have the ability, the understanding to counteract the thought that came into her head from the enemy, right? The enemy came to her and said, you won't die. And because Eve didn't have a response, we must know how to respond to the enemy, when you have a negative situation coming up in your life, you must know what does the word say about this. If you're constantly afraid of getting sick or constantly afraid of, get, of running out of money, you must learn how to respond to those thoughts. Because if you don't respond to the thought and you think the thought, you're just making that thought stronger. So when I think a thought, right, my first thought that comes into my head after that is I have to counteract this negative thought, right? What does the word say about this? I know that I'm feeling, oh, I got whatever. Oh, I, got, I had a neck ache the other day, right? And my cousin Julia, she's working it out for me. And so you wake up and you're like, oh, I got a crick in my neck. That's what I always say. I got a crick in my neck, right? I don't have a crick in my neck right now, but I did before. Oh, I got this crick in my neck. And then immediately what happens, right? I counteract that thought. What does the word say about healing? And I declare, right, 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes I was healed. 
right? And then what do I do? What? I, I, now that I've counteracted the negative thought, now I want to wrap my mind into something new. And so I begin to thank the Lord. Lord, I'm just so thankful that you did this healing for me last time. Why, what am I doing? Because I'm, I'm forcing my mind to begin to think about the things that I wanted to think about rather than the things that it's thought about for so many years before. Let me tell you something. 2016 does not dictate your 2017. Just because you haven't been able to pay bills for the last 30 months does not mean that God won't show up and give you a miracle this month. Your past does not determine your future if we assert our authority, if we begin to focus more on the truth of God and his all-sufficiency rather than the fact that for the past whatever amount of months I haven't been able to pay my bills. So we must fight against every negative thought. You cannot afford to entertain a single negative thought. Let me say that again. You cannot afford to entertain a single, not even one. Like even the thoughts where you're like, hmm, is this thought good or is it bad? But if I don't immediately know that this is good, I'm choosing to reject it. Because I can't afford to repeat the same stuff that I've been repeating in my past. I don't want to hear another prophetic word about 2017. You know, just like I heard about 2016, and my life is the same at the end of 2016 as it was at the beginning. I don't want my life at the end of 2017 to be the same as it was at the beginning. We do that one way. By fighting, using our authority to fight against the negative ruts in our mind. Every thought that's left unchecked, unchecked is going to come out of your mouth. One way or another, every thought that you leave in your brain is eventually going to come out of your mouth. Okay? And we must remember that we have to fight thoughts with words. You can't fight a thought with a thought. You must exert your authority, and that comes through your mouth. Number two. So the first one, take two steps forward. I'm telling you, if you'll do these things, like I'm a testimony to this. Seriously, my own life of doing these, like seemingly like, these seem foolish. Like it's like, yeah, take two steps forward. That's great. But I'm telling you, if you begin to put these things into practice in your life, you will find that life just begins to change. Your outlook on life is going to begin to change. If you have kind of like a, you know, you know how some people have like rose-colored glasses on? Like that's how I feel, right? I feel like I've always got rose-colored glasses on. And maybe you've got like mud-colored glasses on, right? Or garbage-colored glasses on, right? I tell you something, you could change that. And the, the way that you change it is so simple. Change the things that you're thinking about, okay? Number two, we must practice gratitude. Turn to your neighbor and say, practice Turn to your neighbor and say, practice gratitude. We must, that was so weak, guys. I mean, I'm going to let it slip this time, but we must practice gratitude, okay? Anything that makes you dissatisfied with your life, listen, 
anything that makes you dissatisfied with your life is, it's your enemy, it's not your friend. Anything that you are not willing to put time in to change is not worth stressing about. If you aren't willing to change it, it's probably not a good idea to complain about it. It's true. Like, I'm saying this, it's, it's my own life, my own example, okay? Anything that makes you dissatisfied with your life is your enemy. And the reality is that our society is built on this, this, this realm of dissatisfaction, okay? It's always the next thing and the better thing. And you got the 2016 Ford? Well, here's the 2017 Ford, and, right? There's always the next. Let me tell you something. Dissatisfaction is your enemy. Why? Because it gets you focused on the negative, Okay, we have so much to be thankful for, so much to be thankful for, okay? We must choose to focus on that. And number three, number three, ditch the crabs. Ditch the crabs. You know, there's a funny thing that happens, is that if you take a bucket and you put a crab into a bucket, did you know within seconds that crab has the ability to get itself out of the bucket? But did you know if you put two crabs in a bucket, those two crabs will literally die in there? Because anytime one of the crabs tries to get out of the bucket, the other one pulls him back down. Okay? We must, you gotta ditch the crabs in your life. People in your life, let me listen to this. People in your life who anytime you try to get up, they pull you back down. Let me tell you something. Relationships that are based around like gossip and negativity, okay? You got to ditch the crabs, man, okay? Because this is the reality. You don't, I don't want to continue to repeat the same negative patterns in my life, right? If God has paid literally the ultimate price in order for me to, like I said in the beginning, live in sweatless victory, I don't want to be held down by something that I could literally change in an instant. The enemy wants to make us feel like it's so hard, like it's like to get ourselves out of this pit is so hard. I tell you something, it's the easiest thing you'll ever do. All you have to do is begin to be thankful for all the things that God has done for you. I promise you, it'll fix every situation. You know, one of the things that there's that, the fireproof book, you know, it's like the marriage book. It's like 40 days to fix your marriage, basically. I tell you something, every single one of those days, all you're doing, okay? You want like the Coles notes for the 40 days? Spend 40 days doing something unique that you didn't do in any of the previous days different to show your spouse that you're thankful for them. I'll tell you, thankfulness is a way to change anything in your life. Literally, you want, to, you want more friends, you want to have better people in your life, you want a better job, you want a better car, start being thankful for the things that you have and you'll watch as the miracles of God begin to take place in your life. Thanksgiving is the language of faith and so any people in your life, okay, if it's your spouse, you need to talk to my parents about that. You can't ditch the crab if that crab is your husband, okay? Okay, let's just be clear about that. Like, Pastor Alex told me I could ditch this crab. No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. (laughs) 
But let me tell you something, negative situations, they can be crabs in your life. People, jobs. I tell you something, you know, let's talk about this job thing for a second, you know? People are talking so much about like, oh, how can I leave my job? Like I make so much money or whatever. You know the number one thing in the world that people are searching for is not money? Uh, you could go Google it literally right now, right? I, I don't think money is on the list like of the top 10 things people are searching for in life. I think money is number eight, okay? The first one is peace, right? It's joy, right? Happiness, okay? People, relationships, okay? Listen, these things are worth fighting for. It's worth it to do whatever you need to do to put yourself in an environment with positive people, right? That's why when people ask me, like, why, well, why do you go to church? Like, I do church on my own at home. And it's like, yeah, that's awesome. And it's cool that it maybe works for you. But I tell you something, the reason why I come to church is not because I can't experience the presence of the Lord on my own, okay? I've had some amazing ex- encounters with God literally on my own. But the reason why I come to church is because I'm looking to get around people that are gonna continue to push me forward. Getting myself into situations where people are constantly pulling me down, okay? You gotta ditch the crabs. Your future is depending on it. The power of God, those things that you've been crying out to the Lord for. I tell you something, there is nothing stopping prayers. Things that you've been praying for, businesses, ideas, raises, relationships. There is nothing that's holding those things up. You know, my dad, and I'll close with this, my dad said this amazing thing as he's talking to us about, you know, being born yesterday and restirring our hearts, is that he made this point that was something along the lines of, you know, for the first 10 years that you were doing confessions, Right? You do those confessions to convince yourself that what you're saying is the truth. Oh, that's right. The truth. <laughs> you know, so often we can get so frustrated by it. Like, I've done it. I've done, the, I've, you know, we say do the do's. Right? And you'd be like, I've done the do's. I've done them. But the very beginning of this process, right? Don't be alarmed when things don't change right away. The beginning of this process is about changing ourselves, changing our mind, changing our hearts. But then when we step into a year like this, the year of great harvest, where God is literally prophetically declaring over our year that it's that year when all the things that you've done, you know, all the, the, the mornings that you woke up and all the confessions that you've said that you felt like they did nothing, we're entering into this moment literally where God is declaring to us that we're about to step into the fulfillment of everything that we spoke about I'm telling you something, there is nothing, there is nothing in your life that's worth holding on to if it's keeping you away from what God is getting ready to do. There's nothing, there's no negative thought, there's no no influence. We must choose to be this person. I must choose. I love that born yesterday, man. I want to get it tattooed on me. I want to be like that. I don't want to be the person who lives in discouragement. I don't want to be that person who lives in depression. I don't want to be the doubter. 
You know, I don't want to be doubting Thomas. No, I want to be Peter, man. I want to be getting out of the boat and laying hands on people and doing all the dumb stuff. Why? Because I want to be so fully persuaded and convinced, right? What That God is actually going to do all the things that he's going to do. I don't want to be held back by all the things that happened to me yesterday, but I want to step into today fresh because I know that I know that I know that I know that the nature of God is good. And because he's good, I know he'll never fail me. I know his word will never fail me. That is what this year is all about. That's why my parents are away. That's why we've done everything that we've done. That's why we've fasted and prayed and confessed. Why? For this, literally this moment, when everything aligns. So Heavenly Father, God, we're so excited for everything that you're doing in our life. Lord, as you've declared over this house that it's our year of great harvest, Father, we take it. We take it, we take it, we take it. Lord, and we declare there's nothing that will hold us back. There's nothing that will hold us back. We choose tonight, Lord, to discipline ourselves, to do the do's. Lord, I'm even asking tonight that you would just stir, God, every heart that feels just disappointed. Stir every heart that has felt discouraged. Lord, you know exactly what it is that we need to hear. And so Holy Spirit, I'm asking, even in the next 10 seconds, that you just speak to us those words that we need to hear. champions.